One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 12 and Libby and Nate are nine. And I have two kids. Jay is six and Kenny is three. They're pretty darn adorable, aren't they? They are quite adorable most of the time. So we both like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we are moms too. Deborah, what have your kids been up to this week? Okay, I know my story last time was about Tony, but I have another one about him. I was driving the kids someplace and Libby and Nate can't ride in the front seat, so they were like messing around bugging each other in the back seat and Tony was riding shotgun and we were like it was just like annoying back seat noise so he like turned around and yelled at them in like a funny voice hey big brother is watching you (laughs) was he at all aware of the context of his remarks Yes. And that's what made it so funny. And I was like, how do you know about Big Brother? We can be friends now. Oh, what a weird (laughs) moment of like, wow, your baby boy is like becoming an actual human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cute and funny. And then everybody was laughing. So then Libby and Nate left each other alone for a few minutes, which was perfect. That's great. How about you? What have your kids been up to? Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that Kenny had started berating me as if I were a dog and saying, bad mommy. Well, Mm -hmm. now the natural uh, sibling term to that is, of course, good mommy when he's feeling like things (laughs) are going good. And uh, occasionally a pat on the head with that even. I guess I'm just so used to it that the other night we were all cuddling on the couch watching Aladdin and I was just feeling really lovey towards my children and I leaned down and I whispered in his ear good Kenny (laughs) (laughs) so I'm embracing their own vernacular nice did he realize what you were doing he was happy with it okay good good Kenny good Kenny (laughs) (laughs) All right, screen time in the news. This week, I found an Inc. magazine article, although it wasn't the only place that covered this. It was kind of a buzzy headline. So this article was by Bill Murphy Jr. And the headline was, Want to raise successful kids? Science says this controversial habit makes them smarter. Oh my gosh, that is like the most clickbaitiest headline ever. Totally. Listeners, I don't know if you saw this, but there was recently a study that came out in the online peer-reviewed journal Scientific Reports, where researchers said that the more time kids spend playing video games, the higher their IQs. 
you know I'm always looking for something that is going to say good things about screen time. So I felt like this was going to be in my wheelhouse. So let's just go really quick through what Murphy says the researchers discovered. Okay, so he said the researchers found their IQs went up by 2.5 points more than the average child. And these were researchers from universities in the Netherlands, Germany, and Sweden. And they connected with 5,000 children at least twice. First, when they were between 9 and 10, and then again when they were between 11 and 12. And they tracked how much the children said they spent doing three screen-related activities, watching online videos, socializing online, or playing video games. And this is, I think, a direct quote from the article. Quote, in the end, they found that while those who spent the most time playing video games saw their IQs go up the most, while those who spent more of their screen time watching videos or socializing saw little to no difference. That uh, is not a very well-constructed sentence because it uses (laughs) the word while twice and doesn't end up (laughs) making sense. Okay, so Murphy briefly mentions that the scientists believe their work is different because it took the children's genes and socioeconomic status into account, but then doesn't go on to say anything about that, which which felt like kind of a little bit of an elephant in the room. Uh, he also raises two objections to the conclusions that to the conclusion that more video games make kids smarter. He says there are other general health challenges associated with too much screen time. Doesn't go into that at all. And he said if children's weren't if children weren't playing video games so often, would they be spending their time watching videos instead, or would they possibly be doing other things that would raise their IQ more, like studying languages or learning math, etc., etc. So those are his two problems with the study. I also thought that we were just, as a culture, well, maybe not as a culture, but as a species, moving away from using IQ as like a default measure of children's intelligence. I thought like we had come to recognize the bias inherent in IQ as a measurement. And that is not mentioned at all in this article. I don't know if they bring it up as part of the study in their supposed controlling for genes and socioeconomic status. I don't, that was the red flag for me. You know, I wanted to believe this. I know. I thought, I mean, I will say I would like to actually read this study. I probably won't because it's probably behind a paywall that you need a academic library access to get. But I am interested in how they crunched the data and found, how did they find correlation that was statistically significant? It seems like the video game section was like pretty broad like what games were they playing were they playing paw patrol adventureland probably not were they playing like does wordle count as a video game no probably not but were they playing like a problem solving game every day were they playing like yeah that's a really good point it'd be nice beat saber i don't know i that seemed weird and then i did tune out of the article as soon as the author mentioned his free (laughs) ebook successful <laughs> yeah um like I said I saw this headline in other places and I guess I just clinked clinked yep I clicked on the first link and I could have maybe found some reporting from a more reputable source not my finest moment <laughs> yeah I guess this article 
summary of the study isn't enough for me to let my kids just have unlimited video game time. Yeah. But it is maybe enough for me to not feel guilty every single time my kids play video games, which is something. Yeah, it is something. I mean, my kids are playing video games right now as I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Little peek behind the curtain, friends. Uh, Listeners, if you read the actual study and have thoughts, let us know. We'd love to hear. Thanks. So today we are reviewing a brand new film on Disney Plus titled Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Chip and Dale Rescue <laughs> Rangers. I'm sorry, I just couldn't help you myself. You can't help yourself. Mm-mm, you just can't help happens. it. Um, so this came out on May 20th this year. It's rated PG, runs slightly over 90 minutes, and it's directed by Akiva Schaefer, who has worked a lot with Andy Samberg. And he's a member of Lonely Island. The script was written by Dan Greger and Doug Mand, who are also writers for the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And the movie main characters are based on the television series that ran from 1988 to 1990 of the same name, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And it was part of Disney's afternoon lineup. And it recast the classic bickering chipmunk duo as leaders of a crime-fighting team. So in this new movie, Chip and Dale reunite in present-day Los Angeles in an alternate Who Framed Roger Rabbit-style universe where live-action humans live alongside tunes. And they inadvertently become real crime fighters while attempting to reboot their classic show. So we picked it because we cannot resist a reboot, especially one from our childhoods that we have fond memories of watching. Uh, Katie's husband, Kevin, really wanted to see it. And Katie has fond memories of the original. And honestly, I didn't think I watched the original show, but then as soon as I saw all the characters from it and heard the theme song it it all came flooding back so I must have been parked in front of the Disney afternoon lineup at some point in my late elementary years do you have a fondness for some of the other Disney afternoon entrants like Tailspin or Darkwing Duck Goof Troop perhaps was that one of the Disney afternoon ones we didn't have Disney I think it aired on ABC. Listeners, okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was a Disney channel. I think it was a network block of like after school, maybe three to five. Yeah, none of those titles resonate, but I bet if I saw them, I would recognize them. Because mm-hmm. Chip, Chip and Dale, I had really clear memories once I saw the characters. <laughs> uh, well, given that you didn't have as much conscious... <laughs> Uh, interaction with the original show. Did you like this movie? First of all, my kids always want to see the trailer, even if they've committed to watching a movie. So we played the trailer and the soundtrack to the trailer is uh, My Best Friend by Saweetie and Doja Cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that one that's like, my best friend, she's a real bad so I was like yes I will watch this movie this looks awesome (laughs) and it was not really on my radar but I'm I'm glad I watched it it was just like a gonzo brag of all of Disney's intellectual property it was kind of insane to watch I'm with you on the insane part I think my feelings were a little bit harsher than yours 
we talk a lot about watching things that are made for our kids and not us. And I kind of feel like this buried the needle very far in the other direction. I would go so far as to say this is not a family movie. I feel like these guys who wrote it, they wrote it for themselves. Yeah. Which is kind of how I felt about the Lonely Island stuff when it was coming out during the SNL years. Because that was like around when we were in library school, right? It was like the I'm mm-hmm. on a boat stuff. Wasn't that all Lonely Island? And I'm like the D in a box. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was going to call it, yeah. you know what, in a box. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I kind of felt like it was just like a bunch of kind of juvenile guys making music videos that seemed funny to them. And it resonated. Mm-hmm. And this movie felt like an extension of that. Not that I didn't have all the fun feelings about Chippendale Rescue Rangers, because I watched the show and I really enjoyed it. Even when Disney Plus first launched, I attempted to watch some of the original show with my kids, hoping that they would get into it. Mm-hmm. But it has the classic feel of any of those like late 80s, early 90s cartoons it's really easy to remember them more fondly than they actually deserve so rather than rebooting the property I feel like the writers on the show wanted to emphasize that like haha Chippendale Rescue Rangers wasn't that good so instead of just rebooting it as like a crime fighting show we're gonna take this meta angle and have the series be a fact of reality in the show and like Chippendale are actors Mm-hmm. Yeah, think- I did like the buddy comedy aspect of it because um, they're kind of like they were really good friends. They had this show together and then uh, was it Chipper Dale who really blew it? Dale blew it. Dale blew it. Their show got canceled. They had this falling out. Chip ends up in a really like sort of sad conventional life. Dale's always, always struggling. And then so I did like that. It reminded me of... Um, Oh, that Melissa McCarthy movie where she's a detective. See, I feel like you could have just as easily had that falling out if they were like a real crime fighting duo. And like Mm -hmm. Chip could have gone on to work for an insurance company under those circumstances. It kind of irks me in the same way that like in the early 2000s, we had all those movies about dorky male writers and how put upon and great they actually were. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's from that era, right? Yeah. 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 So, okay. Those are my top line feelings. What did you think about the cast and characters? Okay. Just characters. Let's take the cast out of it for a second. (laughs) Were there any of the characters that you particularly loved or hated? Okay. So of the main characters, I really liked the detective that ends up working with Chippendale. Yes, the human. So Chippendale end up mm-hmm. working with one human detective and her name is Ellie, yes? Mm-hmm. Yep, she was that actor who plays Ellie is really good. I liked the dynamic. I thought there was a lot of like comedy just inherent in like the human interacting with the animated characters. And then also she's like, I don't want to spoil it, but she they think she could be like a suspect. The actor who plays Ellie is Kiki Lane. Have we seen her in anything before? I didn't recognize her from anything. I did want to point out to you and to everybody that this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Ooh. It has Ellie, the detective, and then it has the female character from the original Chippendale squad. 
and that's it. And they never talk to each other. And clearly this was written by bros for bros about bros. Yeah, that really does put a point on the broiness of the whole endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as characters were concerned, though, there were tons and tons of cameos, which were really fun for me to see. And then the voice at like Paula Abdul is in it. Ugly Sonic is in it. And then there's like a bunch of actors like Seth Rogen, Keegan-Michael Key, who we enjoy most of the time. Okay, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything to just say that Ugly Sonic (laughs) plays kind of a significant role in the plot. And even I had to really search back in my memory to remember the internet kerfuffle that was, you know, an image leaked of what was going to be Sonic from the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. And he had human teeth instead of pointy teeth and people went bonkers. So they had to redesign the character. Mm -hmm. That is practically a forgotten historical moment now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Let alone, like, I don't know. I thought maybe it wasn't necessarily wise to make so much of the plot revolve around him. Yeah, I I remembered that just because the Daily Zeitgeist covered it quite a bit when it happened. Um, and you know, that's one of my major news sources. <laughs> <laughs> but like, maybe talked about it twice in like a daily podcast. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, at least Chippendale was a show that ran for two years. I feel like, yeah, cover your flash in the pan pop culture phenomena, but this is maybe too much of a deep cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't ask him, but I should have asked Kevin. I don't know if he would have known who Ugly Sonic was. Like, he doesn't really pay attention to Twitter or... Yeah, entertainment news. Yeah. Yeah, check in with him. See what he thought. The one character that I did love was the police chief, Chief Putty. That's what he was called, right? (laughs) Yeah, same. So he was like a Gumby (laughs) knockoff. And as someone who loves stop motion animation but hates Gumby, I was so entertained by this character because it was a running gag that he would just get stuff stuck to him and he wouldn't realize. (laughs) And then like there was a series of incidents in which like he was just like getting chopped up into different bizarre shapes there was like a great terminator moment where like he just turned into a puddle and went under a door like i think they really took advantage of that character's abilities really well it was maybe my favorite totally and then he got like a fingerprint on his hand and so he used like a cheese cutter to slice (laughs) the top layer of his self off and put it in a little Ziploc bag to preserve the fingerprint. That was a good gig. My number two favorite character was actually a character from the original Chip and Dale and it was Zipper, the little fly that was their sidekick in the show and couldn't speak. And (laughs) the gag on this was he actually could speak because he was an actor playing the role of this voiceless uh, fly. Mm Mm-hmm. Bug? Yeah. And the voice of the character was Dennis Haysbert, who has like a very distinctive, like deep yeah. voice. I thought it was a great subversion. Mm-hmm. Totally. As far as voice cast is concerned, 
you know, I said I didn't like Andy Samberg in his Lonely Island years, but then he's done a lot since then that I really liked. So it's not as if I was put off by this movie by the fact that he was headlining it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite his personal struggles, I am a John Mulaney fan. So like the two Mm -hmm. of them together were actually a draw to this movie and... I thought that the all the everyone in the voice cast acquitted themselves well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because this movie takes place in a world where real people are interacting with classic cartoons, are interacting with CGI cartoons, are interacting with weird motion capture cartoons, there are a lot of different visual styles coming together. What did you think of the look of the movie? I thought it was jarring at first first and then I sort of got used to it and I did think that the two like Chip is 2D and Dale is CGI Uh and they talked about him having CG surgery and it was so that part was so funny I thought that was hilarious and I just kept thinking about how challenging it must have been to have all of those animation styles I don't know anything about how animators work though so Yeah, you're right. The process of making the movie must have been, uh, there were just a lot of balls in the air. Mm -hmm. But probably super fun to work on. Yeah. What did you think of the look and feel of it? There was an extended sequence, which again, like, probably won't resonate much beyond this particular bubble in time in which we're in. But there was an extended sequence in which they uh, interacted with motion capture animation in the uncanny valley and Mm -hmm. I was there for those jokes like about how nobody could make eye contact and it was hard to tell where they were looking yeah that was really funny (laughs) (laughs) what did you think about the writing this was my primary issue I just for me it relied too heavily on references that weren't even necessarily necessarily references to the original show because those relationships are pretty easy to pick out but just like references to things from the 80s and 90s yeah it's like they had everybody brainstorm for as long as they could about how many inside jokes they could come up with from that specific time one thing that I mean it wasn't in the script but it was in the movie is that I did find really funny was all the movie posters. Oh, yes. <laughs> Those were actually really clever. And I think a kid watching probably wouldn't have any idea what's going on. But that was clearly something for written for people like from our generation. Like there's like a Fast and Furious Babies poster. There was a hilarious one for Mr. Doubtfire showing like a bald-headed Meryl Streep on the movie poster, which is actually a movie I would want to see. (laughs) Don't forget Lego Miserable. I was just (laughs) gonna say that one. That was so funny. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. I did like that a lot. And then this is sort of a quibble with the writing and like character casting. They have Peter Pan as this washed up actor who looks too old to play parts written for him now. And so he's um, come up with this bootleg video business and he's a real villain, but like, seriously, it is so unbelievable that a white 
guy would have trouble finding work even after he had aged. Like, why couldn't they have made that part for a woman? Because that happens to female actresses all the time. Men are never too old to be in movies. Also, like, Chip and Dale haven't aged. Yeah. So from a plot continuity standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was... I mean, it worked with the script and it was funny, but I just felt like, seriously? I think you really put your finger on it, Deborah. It's a bro movie for bros. By bros, for bros. Yeah. About bros. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't felt this put off by the bros since we watched uh, Lego Ninjago, honestly. That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. Yes. But I still liked this movie. I'm probably going to give it a pretty good rating. Yeah, like I had moments of chuckles because it was for us. It was for the grownups. It was full Mm -hmm. of references to our childhood. It was totally against the rule that I feel like we keep learning on this podcast, which is the kill your darlings rule. And Mm -hmm. that the things you loved as a kid don't need to be precious to you as an adult. Right. Um, It was directly... Uh, it ran directly contrary to that weirdly because I was so put off by all these references that I actually liked the chase and the fight sequences the best Mm -hmm. because they would still throw in those references because they never stopped but Mm -hmm. they were so quick that you had to kind of pat yourself on the back for even getting them and they weren't integral to what was going on on screen and I think Mm -hmm. You know, I'm dancing around this issue like we're going to deal with it later, but I think it's so central to what I didn't like about the movie that I have to bring it up. It's just that I was watching it with my kids and there was just nothing there for them to hold on to. It was so 100% for grownups, which was really disappointing to me. Yeah, because you're looking for a family film. Exactly. What did you think about the length? It was what is normally a really good length for us. I liked the length. I thought it was kind of a complicated premise, like slash world to build, but I thought that was well done and it wasn't, it didn't feel tedious. It felt like part of the fun establishing like why people are drawn differently. Yeah. And what is happening. Um, so I was impressed by that. Okay. Did you compare this to any adult movie or show? It was hard because, like, you had to make all the comparisons to all the other (laughs) uh, live-action cartoon movies. Like, obviously, I thought of Roger Rabbit, which was for kids, and I thought was actually a more successful cartoon live-action amalgam. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I immediately associated it with any properties explicitly for grown-ups. How about you? Well, I also thought about that scene in Mary Poppins where they go into the sidewalk chalk. Oh, I wondered, I like that made me wonder what is the first instance of live action and animation on film together? Oh, actually, I'm not going to be able to give you a specific, but really, really early. Like mm-hmm. the whole concept of like the animator's hand. Uh, oh, yeah. Interacting with yeah, the yeah. artwork happened super early. Okay. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I also came up with the Melissa McCarthy title. It's The Heat, where she co-stars with Sandra Bullock. Oh, I remember that being funny, right? I thought it was funny. Yeah. I also thought just for the meta-ness, it was 
sort of like being John Malkovich. Oh, it's been so long since I saw that movie. I loved it when it first came out. I did too. I wonder if I would feel the same way now. And then for washed up actors or washed up entertainers, I thought of Girls 5 Eva. Oh. Trying to <laughs> revisit their, their hits. I'm still only a few episodes into the first season because I refuse to pay for Peacock. Yeah, I'm not paying for Peacock. So someday I'll watch all of them. I like Busy Phillips, though. Yeah, I've heard the second season was really great. Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? I mean, you know where I'm going to go with this. And the answer, Deborah, is duck butts. Except in this case, it's chipmunk butts. Because I think with such a star-studded cast, you can't but still use some of these people in a live action version with them just toddling around wearing the butts of their various characters. That would be hilarious. I would like to see some more female actors in this. So I would cast Issa Rae and Amy Schumer as Chippendale. I don't even know which one I would have play Chip and which play Dale. I think they could, they both have good range. They could do both. I just want to see J.K. Simmons walking around in like a Eddie Murphy on SNL Gumby suit. Because <laughs> he, be he was chief buddy. <laughs> I would like to see somebody like Lindsay Lohan, who the industry really did churn up and spit out at casting that Peter Pan role. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, she could be like, let me tell you what I had to do to survive. Like still wearing her early 2000s teen queen clothes. Yeah. I like that a lot. I really do. (laughs) So was it better when we were kids? I mean, I gave it away. I actually think Roger Rabbit for me is a more successful and similar send up of like classic cartoon styles. Yeah, I thought about um, Forrest Gump because I remember watching that with my family and my parents were just like blown away by all the references from their like youth and young adulthood. And I didn't catch any of it. Like I still liked the movie, but they were just like, wow. And that is the key. You still liked the movie. Yeah. And I don't think this I don't think the same could be said for today's kids. So would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I think before I had kids and I was still like going to the movie theaters to see animated movies on my own, I probably would. But now that I have to be so precious with my time that is not spent with the kids I probably wouldn't how about you I don't want to watch this again but I do not feel like the time I spent watching it was wasted like I I, like I enjoyed it and it was novel yeah it was funny the jokes were for us and I don't think it's a problem that we were laughing I guess I'm just so entrenched in this role of like arbiter of things for kids that I was just disappointed in it I think they could have done better Mm-hmm. Yeah. 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. Did you watch it with the kids? I watched it with Libby, who was homesick, and she really liked it. I think my kids would all like it because they love watching stuff that is fast paced because they're kind of outgrowing the classic. I mean, they would still watch a classic Disney film, but this is an animated film that has 
more uh, to appeal to an ADHD brain. <laughs> it is just one thing after another. It's really fast paced. Yeah. So I'm glad she wasn't bothered by the references. Maybe that was something that I was projecting onto it more so than an actual problem. There was a really funny scene where I think Chippendale are going through Peter Pan's machine of like animation surgery. And there is a funny scene where they get like blip, blip, blip into all these different um, animation styles. And she was able, she caught on to, to a lot of those. Like there were, they were Simpsons animated all of a sudden. So I guess maybe this isn't great, but I feel like they've watched plenty of TV shows and movies to catch some of those references yeah and I don't feel like my boys had that enough of that grounding so they were pretty bored and not Mm -hmm. really not into it at all yeah in fact afterwards I pulled up some of the classic Chippendale Rescue Rangers episodes and those were more successful because they're more straightforward oh I can see that yeah for sure ratings it's like whether you're in the mood for something that's just for you or not. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of just want to give it a three. Yeah, I'm kind of mad about the not passing the Bechtel test, like, broiness of it. But I still think it was pretty good. So I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, it's hard because it was definitely fun. There are a lot of jokes. There are a lot of solid jokes. I just could have used more going on around the jokes. Mm-hmm. Listeners, please let us know what you thought of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com, and you can find us on pretty much all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime2. Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye!